Welcome, everybody, to Recovery Machine. My name's Nathan, and co-host Corey is back with us today. Hello, How's sir. How's it going? Hey, it's good. How are you doing? Pretty good. So, uh, you know, people are curious. Uh, what have you been doing, sir? I've had another child. No big what? deal. What? <laughs> yeah, so we uh, I, we didn't really take time off, but we did some pre preset stuff while that was all going down. Everything went really well, and uh, yeah, have a happy and healthy little boy at home. So cool! Very cool. Congratulations, sir. And the name for those who are curious, his name is Lewis. Lewis, Lewis Williams. Welcome to yep. uh, welcome to whatever this place is. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told him yet. <laughs> All right. Right. Yeah. Well, he'll figure it out. He looks like a pretty, yeah. uh, saw some pictures of him. He looks like he's, uh, he's, he's got some wisdom. You know? Yeah. He's got a look to him, you know, where he's kind of like, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. We'll see how that plays out today. What are we doing today, Corey? What have we got a couple things? What are we starting with? So we're going to start with, with talking about writing, that's something we we've alluded to probably a number of times throughout various episodes as being something that um, helped us both. We both recommend it for a variety of reasons, particularly early on in in the journey and in recovery. And but we haven't gone into more depth about it, so we wanted to talk about a little bit about each of our experiences with it and a couple of ideas, a couple of ideas that have been for myself that were presented to me that were quite effective and and. And interesting things that can make writing seem a little bit like a little bit less of a, of a slog maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, cause I know it, so, it can, it's a topic that can be intimidating to some people if you've never, never tried it or don't have experience with it. Right. Yeah. And we're talking in terms of, I mean, writing could be therapeutic in general. It can be, I mean, that's one of the things that's one of my favorite things to do is write and, uh, it can be a whole bunch of things. It can be a creative outlet, but I think uh, a lot of times in in recovery, it's used as a tool, and it can be used in a in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is journaling, which I think is probably the most common one that you'll see. You know, for people who are in therapy, specifically trying to work on, they have specific therapeutic goals. You'll you'll see that as a tool that a psychiatrist or a psychologist will use, or a counselor of some sort. And in recovery, you did a few different types of uh, therapeutic exercises, including art therapy. In your outpatient treatment program, what kind of uh, what kind of writing did they get you to do there? Yeah, oh, lots of exercises about writing to you know writing to your drug of choice, writing to your old self, writing to family members that we actually ended up sharing with family members. We would have topics, you know, a daily a daily topic that we would devote a bit of time to each day to to write about, whether that was like codependency or grief or lying, whatever it may be, and and then okay. kind of take that away. That was the the toughest part of the, those exercises were that it was expected that you shared what you wrote, so okay. it wasn't just personal writing that you kept and could reflect on. You shared it with the group. For everything or the, just the daily exercises or, uh, most things, most things. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, an exercise in vulnerability as well. Then I guess. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And for, for me, I I didn't, it didn't, that part didn't bother me. It was a quite a small group I was in for outpatient treatment. It was like seven people, I think, but for some people that was a really, 
I think quite a terrifying, paralyzing experience to, to have to jump into something that they're already uncomfortable with and then be pretty vulnerable out of the gate. Yeah, no kidding. Especially, I mean, depending on your writing skill, like maybe you're, you know, maybe you don't spend a lot of time writing. So that could be something that you're, you don't have that, that much confidence in in the first place. Yeah. And then uh, if you're somebody who's kind of used to being guarded with, you know, what's going on in your head, then yeah, that would be, that'd be pretty challenging for the. Was there something like that in the inpatient? Oh, uh, yeah. They had us do uh, a lot of writing. I, it was mostly a lot of the exercises were trying to like go over your past with fine tooth comb. They really were um, focused on looking for areas of trauma that would have been spark points for addictive behavior, which I understand and uh, is probably a good exercise for a lot of people. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, I, I mean, I think there was maybe a couple things, but nothing overly significant in my in my history, as far as um, like big standout motivating factors, like as opposed to yourself, where I mean it would be obvious one, right? But I think it was good anyway to to go over that stuff, and you always, when I look back, I think, well, you know, I've looked at that already. I've looked at that already, but having <laughs> having been forced to go over it many many times. After writing and writing and writing, eventually you you realize that uh, it it kind of jogs your memory a little bit, and you you start to pick up a few things that you you know you weren't really that conscious of, and and that I think can help. Uh, at, in the very least, at just kind of putting your mind at ease, and that you you know that you looked, you know. So because mm-hmm. I did get to a point where I was like, okay, hey, I I've got a big bin full of <laughs> journals here and stuff, and it's that's enough with that now. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I've looked there. I, 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 I know what's there to the best of my memory. And, uh, you know, you, you go talk to people and ask your parents and family members and, and stuff like that to fill in the blanks. But yeah, it was mostly that. And then I think we did some letters to family members and, and things like that. We didn't do, uh, I didn't do any kind of a letter to, to my drug of choice though. That's kind of, <laughs> what uh what would you say in something like that like what would be the i th- i think it was meant as an exercise of closure of attaining closure and saying you know that you're that it is a relationship of sorts and that you are ending that relationship and kind of you know breaking up with it and saying you know here are the things that you did for me here are the things the ways that you fucked my life up and i'm saying goodbye to you kind of a thing I, there were a number of exercises that we did that were meant to kind of create closure. I think they were, I think it was relatively helpful. Personally, I felt like I was done when I went off work and then I had to, you know, there was also a two and a half month, three month time lag between going off work and starting into a program. So I mm. did, I felt quite, quite a bit of closure there and I actually had predicted already that my career was probably over or that stage of my career was over. So, right. But if, I think for, for a lot of people, there's a, there's a process of, of grieving or of feeling like, do I really have to say goodbye to this substance or this pattern of behavior that was helping me in so many ways, helping me cope in so many ways. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It seems to be a general tendency. I know I, ra- I romanticize even after going through withdrawal, or you know, even going through acute withdrawal and post-acute, mm-hmm. you still even all all that stuff I went through, and I still 
my mind focused on the uh, the good parts of it and <laughs> refused to remember the pain and suffering. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, it's funny that we tend to romanticize, especially considering that's not my generally that works in the opposite for me, right? I tend right. to focus on the negative, but not in that case. And isn't that, I don't I don't think that's uncommon. Like no, that, I don't think so either. Everything else can can be doom and gloom and negative it, when you're in the middle of this addictive behavior or the cycle of, of behavior and you you keep it you keep up sort of a positive I'll say spin for lack of a better word on that which is keeping you there in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Well, it is like a relationship in that way. It is. Because it's the same way when you uh if you uh if a relationship ends and you know cognitively you know that that's the best thing but your heart is still uh, you know in that Seinfeld episode where he uses a metaphor of like it's like a pop machine or something it takes a few uh pushes before the thing finally falls over <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very uh that's true relationships and I think it's true for many people with drug use as well right I don't know it takes a little convincing before your your heart matches up with your mind I guess and probably abstinence like when you are in if for me like when i was in that when i had access access and no help that probably wasn't going to happen not when you're in it i mean uh, it, yeah I, I mean i tried by myself there's there was no way not with access the only way was to cut off access and then yeah. get some clarity without like i was you know at least 90 days of uh clarity then mm-hmm. you you have no chance and yeah. uh yeah i still i think it's for many people it's not a like myself included it's not a battle that i want to continue to fight it just um no <laughs> so nathan apart from uh in in inpatient programs or or going through a a treatment program did you was there any relationship you had with writing or journaling privately like or in your own own personal time yeah, I, th- I mentioned it before. I think it was one of the, there were a few things that kind of saved me and uh, writing was one of them. If the reason writing was so effective and I think it was a lot of just stream of consciousness stuff in the beginning was because it it's it's hard to think about, it's hard to ruminate on multiple things at the same time if you're focused on writing. Mm-hmm. And I found it to be now, you know, that I'm removed from that, uh, I have better tools to deal with that rumination. It, I mean, it still goes on, but I'm aware of it and I can identify how it works and, and, and sometimes stop it. But to this day, when I'm doing, uh, like, uh, I like to write, write creatively or even technical writing does the same thing in some respects, creative writing is better for it, but creative writing takes me right out of this world. So it's an escape. Plus my brain can't, my brain is locked in because it's, it's a too hard of a task. So I can't, if I'm going to write well, then I, I can't really be focused on anything else. So it's almost like, uh, between that and meditation, like those two things were the only break I could really get from my, my mind. Right. Especially in the beginning when I was, uh, I was just uh, being very hard on myself. And if you can't take a break from being hard on yourself, then the recipe for disaster. So yeah, that was, that was kind of the main thing. I never journaling. I mean, I don't, uh, I've tried it multiple different ways. I've tried the like Penzu style uh, online ones. I've tried just uh, writing a little bit each day. And I just, I'm not interested in um, just the everyday experience kind of journaling. It just mm-hmm. doesn't, 
I'm, I'm much better off with like the, uh, the Amber list or like a, a checklist. Mm-hmm. So I just have like things that I'm supposed to be doing every day for a, a set amount of time. And if I hit that marker, I just check that off and then I'll have usually two or three things that I want to get done, like a mini to-do list. And then after that, I'll have notes so that if something that I, I know is going to be, it would be like a, an item that you'd normally mark down on a calendar. I'll put that down on the list as well. I'll put it in the calendar. And then when I'm looking back to try and organize or looking forward, I, I've kind of got all that stuff set up that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, I just, if I'm going to write, then I would rather write something interesting other than my day to day, which is, yeah, <laughs> not that interesting. <laughs> and I think, I don't think you're alone in that, in that thought. And I've heard that from individuals in groups, particularly that, I'm not like, I'm not just going to sit and write about my day, or I'm not just going to be able to sit down and like start pouring out what my, what my feelings are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fair enough. It, it's that's, I think for some, it's a learned, a learned skill or just maybe not be of interest, but you're, you're right. Like if there is any kind of a prompt or a, a set parameter for the writing, that can be just enough to, to get things going. And then if you can allow yourself to continue and to just open up even a little bit, it can be really interesting to see what, what happens. I was able to write, not write out the day to day and not like this happened today and this happened today, but I would particularly quite early on. And I, I got into, I got back into therapy immediately when I went off work, like the next week Mm -hmm. and, um, started writing almost at the same time. And so sometimes my writing would be things that came up in a therapy session Sometimes my writing would be being inspired by a, a show I was watching. Like in my, in the, you know, in the first month of writing and journaling, I, there was everything from therapy sessions and reflecting on events that had happened um, to writing about the TV show, Northern Exposure to writing about <laughs> uh, rabbits that were infiltrating my, my yard and just anything. And, and you're right though, because what you said, and I think it, it's, it bears repeating that a focused writing about a subject the mind is not able to ruminate on multiple things at once and those intrusive thoughts i'll call them that come in with force and that you know can consume our day if we are fixated on a subject and focused on writing a subject out i started to find that those thoughts quieted down quite a bit while i was doing it it may yeah. be that you have to like bring yourself back a couple of times or or like oh i'm thinking about that now keep writing. And it does quiet those thoughts quite a bit. Yeah. And I think you get more focused, more, you know, focusing on writing and staying in the writing zone is kind of a skill that uh, develops over time. I looked at a couple studies just to see, you know, what they're doing as far as, you know, do they actually look and see healthcare professionals or mental health care professionals are sort of prescribing writing? What uh, are they looking to have happen? And and that is one of the things that uh, they have studied is what happens when you're you're writing it, especially if you're doing the um, you know just kind of pouring your your feelings out or doing the expressive kind of writing, yeah. um, you're able to identify uh, intrusive ruminating thoughts. The other one that they they found is that it helps people accept whether it's a past trauma or a present situation that they're trying to deal with. They find more acceptance when they put it down on paper, and there's less judgment. So mm-hmm. there seems to be less of that kind of background rhetoric, negative rhetoric, because you're, you're just, maybe it's because you're seeing it 
in in writing and it makes it more of a formal statement and sort of like stamps it as reality in that way makes it easier to accept. I'm not sure, but my hypothesis with that is that like talking out loud, like the difference in hearing something out loud, if you're just like in a meeting, talking about your thoughts in a meeting or talking to a friend and speaking it out loud, there's something about hearing yourself or about reading your written word that it, it almost like becomes a, becomes another individual. And if you think mm -hmm. about, we've talked about, you know, how difficult it is to turn compassion inward, how we can have, particularly as in our profession, we can have compassion towards the people that we encounter and our coworkers and our clients and patients, et cetera. But turning our compassion inward is so hard. So if it's, mm -hmm. if it's written and you're reading it back, it kind of almost, um, it makes it so that you're reading could be reading someone else's words. And I think it's easier to sort of have, have some empathy there yeah, than if it's just yeah. in your head. Yeah, absolutely. It forces you to consider what you're saying too, as well. Right. When I'm uh, listening back to, to the episodes we do on the show, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll get into a conversation and, and you can tell that we're just kind of, you know, we're just talking, it's back and forth. And sometimes a lot of the times I, you know, I can, I can follow the course of where we're going with conversation, but every once in a while, one of us will say something and I'll think, oh, is that, uh, are we, you know, is that, are we on the right track with that? And I'll have to think about it for a little bit. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, once it's been said or, or written down, it, it kind of, you have to take some ownership of it, either authenticating the statement or, or not. Right. So, uh, maybe yeah. that's part of it as well, but I'll just go through a couple of the other benefits, I guess, that, that I found as I was looking. And these are, I, I mean, just writing for, uh, if you're doing any kind of a progress journal, I mean, tracking progress towards goals. That's a, I think anybody can use that effectively. What do you think about the, uh, just writing as a way of organizing thoughts and, uh, reducing anxiety? Cause I, that's maybe it's the rumination thing again, but I, I find that I can be very scattered and I feel like I got a bunch of things on the go, but once I start listing them out and organizing them and breaking them down, it, it, there's a calming effect. Do you experience that as well? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And like you said, it, it's, um, it slows you down mm -hmm. and, and maybe again, if you write something and you reread it and it comes across as scattered and disorganized, that's okay. But if you, again, like put forward the intention, okay, I'm going to, it's this part, it's this detail and then this, and kind of do it in that way, slow yourself down a little bit. It's like, it's intentional. It's intentional thinking. It's intentional action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know how people like I, I would, I'm a pretty organized guy, probably more organized since I've, you know, been working in the field of pharmacy. If you're not organized, you're in big trouble in, in that profession. But you know, I see somebody who's got a bunch of things on the go and they, they don't have a daily list or a week plan or whatever. I, I'm actually kind of amazed <laughs> that they can, that they could function in a, any kind of an efficient way because I can't, I can get things done, but I'm way, way more efficient when I'm prioritizing and, mm -hmm. you know, cutting out specific periods of time for things when I know my mind will be sharper and it's such a better way for me to, uh, to organize my life. What do you think about regulating emotions in general? I mean, could this work for a child? Would this be something maybe that a, a psychologist would use with a child to, once they're able to write down some of their feelings and organize them on paper, 
like I feel mad when such and such happens or whatever. Do you think there's a emotional regulation benefit to that? I think there probably is in terms of identifying identifying emotions and then releasing them and learning from them. In the example of a child, maybe it it helps the adults in their life to understand better and gain some gain some direction. Right. So, if we are talking about kind of like parent learning to parent ourselves and support ourselves, it's kind of doing the same thing if you think about it that way. We are the adult that's learning to parent ourselves, particularly if you're thinking about like inner child work. So it's helpful to to see what comes out and to see how you put things. And I think mm-hmm. particularly, you mentioned earlier, Nathan, the stream of consciousness writing. And I would call not all parts of my writing stream of consciousness, where I tried to do it quite quickly, didn't cross anything out, didn't go back and would just like spit it out quite quickly and see what happens. To me, that's when it's most interesting to go back and and reread because you're not you're doing it with much less filter you're doing it with much less of like trying to control the narrative you're just letting mm-hmm. that narrative come out that can be a uh, an exercise in kind of giving up control a bit giving up sort of binding yourself with controlling the story just let the story out because potentially no one else is going to read it right it's safe wouldn't you be worried about like i would be worried that i'd be reinforcing default negative pathways in my mind, because if like last week I was in a pretty rough spot, I've been off the news for like a record number to, I think like <laughs> 10 yeah. days. Right? And I have no <laughs> idea what's going on in the news. And I don't know. I, I guess I sort of feel better unless uh, I'm not focused on global events, which is good. I shouldn't be. But the point is if I was to just like pour out what was going on without some calibration, I think it would be, a lot of it would be pretty like negative and, Sure, sure. Yeah. But I think that's why you go, you you reread it. You go back. Right. And then maybe you see that like, oh, is that how my mind is working through the course of a day? Like <laughs> is that how when I just when I when I open up those gates, is that how it pours out of me? Cuz that can be kind of telling too. Cuz I what I do find as you know, from the beginning of this particularly my first journal book that from the beginning to the end, things become more focused, more positive, um, mm. like more self-supportive at the end. And so I think it was, it was working, but I was going back and I would bring, I would bring my journal to therapy and, and read, read passages, not, not as a rule, but there were times where I thought like, I said it better here and I'm not going to be able to relay it in the same way when I'm sitting in front of the person. So I'm going to just read you what I wrote. And that became really helpful. What I was going to say, and I, I planned on bringing this up because it, bringing it back to our greater, um, subject that we talk about on our show about professionals going through the machine and the feeling of a loss of control. And you often feel like your voice is lost in it. I I ended up doing a a journal entry that I had wrote and then read to my therapist. And she persuaded me that let's include it in my file. Let's send it to WorkSafe, to (laughs) the insurance companies. This is, this was me writing it out as I felt it under her supervision and she said, I don't think we can articulate it better than that. Let's put it in there. And so at the very least. Describing the feeling of being macerated by the machine. Not, there's, well, yeah, there's two. There's one of just being macerated by the profession. Uh, and then another one with my concerns about the machine. And I don't know who all read those things. I don't know if it made any difference to anybody, but it did feel really good to say, you know what? No, to hell with it. Let's put that out there. Let's send it to them. And it kind of did let me feel like a little bit of my voice was 
in this massive stack of file that, that was getting pumped through the machine. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if anybody ever, uh, probably somebody came across it and I would read that. I think I would be interested in how somebody felt. Yeah. And I mean, again, it can be, I know, and you know that that is a common feeling of like, does, is anybody listening to me? Does anybody hear about the person I am or what I'm going through or what I've been through? And like, I don't know, I, I think I would kind of encourage that to our listeners that like, you don't have to do that, but if you feel like you want to make your voice heard, Maybe it's easier to put it down in writing and just to get it in there. It, it's not going to make anything worse. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, uh, I think that's really cool. The therapist, you encourage you to do that. Some other things that might be helpful just to, if you're interested in developing a, a writing, uh, making writing a part of your routine, if you're in recovery or not, one thing I use is brainstorming. And I, what I'll do is I'll just, I'll, I'll get a timer and I started with 30 minutes, but uh, it usually takes about an hour. And mm -hmm. if I set for 60 minutes, I'll get like uh, four sheets of computer paper and just, and this can be for any kind of problem I'm trying to solve. And I'll just dump everything out on the paper over a, uh, an hour is usually good. And then I'll let that kind of sit for a little bit and then I'll go back and look at it and I'll start, you know, linking things together prioritizing, crossing off stuff that's, you know, too far mm -hmm. out there and kind of work back from there to formulate a plan if I'm, you know, in a situation where I'm stuck, which I often am. So um, <laughs> I find that to be a pretty useful tool with writing. Gratitude is, I mean, that's one that I think most people know has got some pretty solid evidence behind it now. Mm -hmm. Just taking taking the time to, to write a few things down every day, I was reading something there. The, there was a study that just came out talking about how you can overdo it with gratitude journals, I guess, <laughs> and, uh, where you actually, uh, if you, if you, cause some people they'll, they'll, they'll just write every day. They'll write like everything they're grateful for. And what happens is you become resentful of the gratitude list and it, 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 you get this, uh, kind of like, I don't know, it causes some form of negativity towards the whole process. And uh, I've never uh, went that far with it, but apparently there is a limit to how much gratitude you can uh, put on paper, oh. <laughs> or at least there's some evidence to suggest that that's true. I don't know if it oh, is. I, well, I, I'm so glad that you said that because I, and in my first two journals, there are, there's quite a bit of gratitude sprinkled in there, but I think there has to be balance. And if you're mm. having a shitty day and you're frustrated and pissed off and anxious, just being grateful <laughs> isn't going to, isn't going to be curative for all of those other things. I think, you know, and I've heard some wise people say that like gratitude makes for less space for some of the other stuff. Gratitude fills, fills the space, but mm -hmm. you, you got to be true to yourself. And if you're, if you're like <laughs> day, doing daily gratitude because you have to, and it's like, like a, almost like a Pollyanna thing, if you know what I mean? Like where it's like this, it's just like, I'm going to be positive no matter what then you're missing a huge part of how you might actually be feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's gotta be some level of authenticity to it. And I yeah. think that that's uh, if you're just spitting stuff out on paper on a daily basis and you're not, because it, to me, it doesn't, the exercise is completely futile unless I'm really thinking about it and being okay. Even when I'm feeling shitty, like, okay, how shitty is it? You know, like, look at the things that you have. Okay. Yes. Yes. And, and, through that exercise, you can find maybe a little bit of balance, even when you're feeling low, Yeah, but 
yeah, definitely. If you're, it, it's not like a volume thing is gonna no. is gonna win the war <laughs> for you. <laughs> Some people keep dream journals. Uh, my dad is pretty disciplined with this actually, and he's. Mm-hmm uncovered some interesting threads of consciousness that he's followed to interesting conclusions. And, um, I've, I, I've done this a little bit. I, I don't know about you, Corey. I, I might have a, like a, I dream fairly often, but I'll have like a really significant dream, maybe every couple of years type of thing where it's the type of dream that you wake up from and it's commanding attention. Yeah. And, uh, you do, do you've experienced that as well? I'd say it's more frequently than every couple of years, maybe every okay. few months. Okay. Yep. So I've tried to kind of parse those out by, you know, taking the time to write them out at night when they're fresh in my mind. And it, they're difficult. Some of them are, you know, fairly, <laughs> I could tell when my mind is, uh, I don't know if it's low on glucose or just being lazy and it'll spit out just like kind of ridiculous metaphors for things that it's, it's fairly st- easy to follow what my mind is trying to tell me. Other times the coding is a lot heavier and I don't know if it's just a process of, you know, it could be my, my mental unraveling throughout the night to to rejuvenate. You know, I, I I don't know what it means sometimes, but I have tried it and I, I wouldn't say I've gotten overly significant insight from it. I don't know. How about you? No, same. I mean, I, I, I'm rarely able to remember enough detail. Usually I find my dreams will be, you know, the most significant dreams will be before I wake up in the morning. And there's times I have written about dreams before, but, but it never, at least with enough repetition or pattern or clarity that they, that it's been helpful. I'm envious. I'm envious of your dad. I'm envious of people who can, who can do that. And it would be something to try, even if it's just things that where I don't think, oh, this is really really significant and huge and groundbreaking. I think it's a really cool practice. And again, it's kind of a way to, if you're new to writing, it gives you a something to write about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it, it takes discipline though. Like I don't like yeah. being, you know, even if it's, unless it's a significant enough dream, like if I'm, if I've got a big sympathetic response from it, or I've been, uh, it's caused me to have some sort of an emotional reaction, then it's easier for me to, you know, a keep it in my head and b get motivated enough to to jot something down on paper but uh yeah i would i think my dad actually um he just like keeps a pen and paper ready to go and if he's got something that comes yeah. up he's very uh he's right on it and he he keeps with it and maybe it's a skill that you have to develop like anything else I, i'm sure I imagine. Yeah. sketch journals i don't know if uh, have you ever run into that in any kind of uh ther- well, therapy of yeah i mean, I mean i'm yeah. a i'm a sketcher anyway i'm a a doodler, like a lifelong doodler. A lifelong over... doodler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been called worse. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I've been, I've been, so everything I write tends to have like little sketches or drawings or, or things sprinkled in there too. Hmm. Um, and there are things that I have, that I, for my whole life that I have drawn on repeat uh, that come up that are pa- like patterns in my drawing. And actually when I was in art therapy, that was something that, that definitely came up and that I mm-hmm. did do some writing about because I would often do faces. So I will, I will sketch out faces or doodle faces without even thinking about it just as like a subconscious exercise as I'm, even if I'm watching TV or I'm sitting there with a, a pad and a paper or I'm in a meeting, I'll be doing that. So doing that and then being able to talk about it with someone that's been kind of helpful. 
And if you're of that mind of, of someone who sketches quite freely, it's a, another exercise that I think kind of can make it easier. Right. It can make is it feel a, a little bit less. Is there a cathartic uh, component to it or is it more, maybe it's a, another form of expression in the same way that expressive like stream of consciousness right, uh, writing is? Yeah, I think both. I think there's, mm-hmm. if you, you can think about it and there are oftentimes things to be learned from what we sketch and draw. And especially if we do it kind of in a quick, unfiltered way. And then, yeah, it's, it, I, it can definitely be cathartic. Definitely. For the people who don't know, the two the two figures in our logo that you can, uh, if you're watching, you can see right now, I've got them in the background. That's uh, Corey sculpted those guys. And that was uh, during a, an, was it art therapy that you were doing? Yeah. I love the, uh, I've worked with those two figures a lot virtually, you know, making different logos and, and uh, playing with them in three dimensions and manipulating them and stuff in there. I think they're really interesting representations of, of a certain stage of recovery, I guess, if you want to use the word, do you have characters like that, that you, that you draw Like you said, you have figures that you, or drawings that you do on repeat. Do you have like mm-hmm. maybe cartoon guys like that or something that you draw frequently? Yeah, it's cartoon, cartoon, me cartoon might not be the right word, but it's not realist, realistic either. So sort of like these adapted line drawings of the outline of a face in various stages. And the thing that's interesting about those two figures in our, in our logo is that I did maybe five of them and some are just from like the, the chest up and like are like busts. And then quite a few of them are full, full bodies and Mm. the yellow one the hunched over one was the first one, kind of one of the first pieces of art therapy that I did. And it was, it was meant to be a specific individual, a patient that I encountered who had overdosed um, and was found in that position, found in that physical position. Like overdose dead? Overdose dead. Wow. And so I had done that figure. And then the next one I did was that the fellow in, in blue there, and you can see he's like a little bit more opened up. And I, I had done these on my own and as it turned out, like they were becoming more open with each, each one that I did totally unconsciously. That was not a, not done with any intention, but I brought these to my art therapist and she said like these, (laughs) I would challenge that these are you, these are how you felt. These are states of feeling withdrawn states of feeling isolated. The yellow one, like that's, that's the state of, uh, that is the state of death inside. That's what mm-hmm. I, when I look at that one, I, you know, where you, I got to a state where I realized that I was, my heart was beating, but I was really a ghost. Yeah. And that's, it, there, there's a state of hopelessness that goes along with that. And that's when I see that guy, he's just, he's like he's in a state of kind of nodding off maybe, but it, he's just gone, like gone. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that gone, but, uh, it's, yeah. yeah, they're very interesting figures and. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised that your therapist kind of looked at those and was like, "Oh, we got something here." <laughs> yeah, and like the fact that they 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 started to open up literally, and that's kind of the interesting thing that can happen with with doing art, but also just with doing writing is is what is in between, what is in between your words, what is it that you leave out, what is it that's missing or that you include, and I mean the other interesting part of that image in our logo is is the shadows that were taken because we'd taken a photograph of those figures and just the way the lighting was created this fascinating shape behind each figure 
Yeah. And I mean, to me, it's like a representation of something new and something kind of beautiful being created from this feeling, from this state of being, and that there's more beneath how we initially think we feel. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Let's leave it there for this this segment, because that's a, a really great description of those guys. Let's take some more pictures of those and, and get them up for people. Because You know what? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Cool. Yeah. Okay, man. We'll uh, leave it there and see everybody next time. Congratulations again on New Lewis. Thank you. And talk soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. 